Okay, what we're going to do, we're just going to look at some of Paul's uh, prayers. Uh, he has prayers in essentially every uh, letter that he wrote. You'll, we'll find some, uh, uh, co- uh, uh, we'll find a pattern of how Paul prays. What Paul seems to do is teach as he tells these churches how he's been praying for them. And so we can see how he prays for the churches, and then we can learn maybe uh, how to pray. Uh, One of the things that someone asked in uh, Andy's uh, class on the means of grace, the prayer, prayer is a means of grace, was what do you pray? How do you, you know, what do you say when you pray? Uh, We'll look at uh, what Paul says to these different people, that these different churches that he says he prays for. But let's pray first and ask his help. So, Father, we come to you. We are thankful for the privilege. We're thankful for your revelation uh, to us to teach us how to pray for the prayers that you've left for us in your word. Lord, for the Spirit who intercedes for us, for our Lord Jesus at your right hand who is interceding this very moment. So we ask for all of the help uh, to be mustered for us as I speak, as we all hear, as we exercise our minds, that our lives, our inner lives might be changed. So help us, we pray. Teach us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So what, uh, we'll begin 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul prays for this uh, church at Thessalonica. We'll, we'll see that he, uh, Corey mentioned uh, the object of our prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Uh, Paul describes usually in his prayers, he'll talk about some aspect of God to whom he is directing his prayer to. He almost always thanks God for the people that he is sending the letter to. So he says that he thanks them unceasingly or always thanking them, which is he's praying without ceasing. He's applying what he teaches the Thessalonians in the first letter. Then he'll give a request his what he's been praying for. And one thing that's different, at least in my prayers, I don't like to read Paul's prayers because they're so convicting. Uh, he almost always gives a purpose. What he hopes that God will accomplish in the lives of the people when he prays for them. For instance, we pray for... Um, someone who is sick to get well. That's the request. And that's where we stop, and we just, Lord, get them healthy. Uh, And Paul almost always goes, so that, and he has a purpose for healing. He has a purpose for their strengthening. He has a purpose for their spiritual growth. And so we'll learn a little bit from uh, this, I hope. Uh, sort of uh, uh, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Very typical of Paul. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, uh, as is right, because, here's what he's thankful for, your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you're enduring. If you remember in Acts 17, Paul enters Thessalonica. Uh, there is no church there. They uh, go into the synagogue first. Some receive the gospel. uh, And uh, within a few weeks, Paul is run out of town by the Jews who do not believe. And so he leaves. This is a group of people in the the Thessalonian church that he doesn't know very well. Uh, He's run out of town. 
Timothy's run out of town. Silas has run out of town. He sends Timothy back. Timothy brings news to Paul. And so he writes the letters to these young baby Christians. But Paul writes to the Thessalonians people uh, that he barely knew. He was only there a short time. And so he knows from Timothy what's uh, going on. But he doesn't know them. And so he prayed prays uh, in this way, and he's giving thanks. As you pray, what are you thankful for? What do you give thanks to? Notice, uh, to God is the object here, and that's all he says. But he's giving thanks to them because their faith is growing, their their love is increasing, and um, there in verse 4, uh, they're, they are steadfast in their persecutions. They're being afflicted. These believers are being afflicted by these uh, obstinate Jews, for sure, who ran Paul out of town, and the same persecution is coming to them. And, and these young Christians are uh, standing fast and standing firm. So, he keeps going. Um, verse, I'm going to drop, let's see. Where do we want to go? Well, let's just keep reading. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints, to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. So He gives a little nugget of hope. You're being persecuted, but this is going to turn out fine. Verse 11, To this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling. Make you worthy of His calling is, in my estimation, an unfortunate translation. It's consider you worthy. It's not making you worthy, but the the word is more that God would consider you worthy of your calling and that God may fulfill every resolve for 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 good in every work of faith by His power. So there's His requests. His requests are that God would consider them worthy of His calling. We're called into a relationship with Him. By God's effectual call, are we worthy of that? No, we're not. We're not worthy of that. But the point is, uh, we are to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. We're to walk in an honorable way, a way that will bring glory to God. But he's, his, his, what he prays here is, God will consider your walk a worthy walk. All right, that you are uh, 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 striving for holiness. And then uh, the last request, he may fulfill every desire for goodness and every faith-induced act by, uh, by his power, that God will empower you as you by faith live, God will bless that. And that he will fulfill it. And every desire that you have for goodness, he says, may God fulfill that for you. May he empower you and uh, bear fruit in your life as you journey on in the faith. And then verse 8, 12, and here's why. Here's his purpose. He wants them to be successful in their Christian living and be considered uh, worthy in their walk. In verse 12, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. And you be glorified in Him. That's pretty uh, amazing. Are you seeking 
the, Paul is seeking for the Thessalonians to be glorified in Christ and for Christ to be glorified in them. Not only are we seeking the glory of Christ in, in this worthy walk, in this answer to this prayer, Paul is also seeking that these believers might be glorified in Christ from one step of glory to another step of glory. And so as we pray, uh, we have requests. We come to God, we come to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful. We ask for Him. We give Him our requests. But then what are we hoping happens if He answers according to our requests? And so that's what Paul lays out. His goal is not just that the Thessalonian church will grow big. It's not that someone will get well. It's not that we're prosperous. But what are we going to do if that prayer is answered? And so Paul almost always has a so that in his prayers. That's something that has struck me as I put all these prayers of Paul together. I have a little grid, and it, uh, it's just always there uh, in his prayers. Second uh, Thessalonians, Second Chronicles three eighteen. We all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So there's our, us being glorified, but Christ being glorified in our lives. Uh, go back a couple of, probably a page or two, to 1 Thessalonians 3. Uh, this is how he prayed in his uh, first letter. He's run out of town again. Uh, Verse 9, let's just look at verse 9. What thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see your face to see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints." Very much like his first one, but he's got a passion for these people that he doesn't know very well. He met them, many of them. There's surely many been saved since. They're doing well, uh, and uh, uh, he is thanking God for what God is accomplishing in them in the midst of opposition. And then his request, by God's will, that he might see them face to face. I don't know you very well. I want to come. I want to be face to face with you that I might supply what is lacking or I might complete, I might equip you what's lacking in your faith. And he prays that God might cause them to increase and bound in love for one another. Why? so that they might be strengthened in their hearts, that they will be blameless and holy when the end comes. So his goal is their glorification, as he said in in the prayer in 2 Thessalonians, that they might be growing faithful, so that when the Lord Jesus returns, they will be blameless. They will be transformed. They will be ultimately glorified as they're being glorified or ultimately sanctified as they are being sanctified. And that's just two prayers that Paul has for people he doesn't know real well. He's passionate for them. He's thankful for them. He's heard they're doing well. That's another theme. What you see as Paul prays, Paul is thanking these churches, thanking these people in these churches, because they're doing well. And that causes him to pray for them. 
so very uh, opposite of why, what, off, what usually prompts us to pray, isn't it? What prompts us to pray? Things are bad, you know, the old famous story of the deacon board who is meeting and trying to hash out a real problem in the church. And they have their meeting, and they go on, and they go on, and they go on. And one of the deacons says, you know, I really think we ought to pray about this. And the other deacon, one of the other deacons says, oh, is it really that bad? <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, we, we go to praying when things get, when we can't handle, we handle until we can't, and then it gets awful, and then, oh, we got to pray. But Paul is uh, caused to pray. Paul is driven to pray for these churches because they're doing so well. And he knows that Satan will attack those churches who are doing so well. And these are baby Christians. Uh, They uh, don't have one of the uh, Paul or his co-workers in the church. And so he's praying for them and he is thanking God that they're standing fast in the midst of their opposition there. So that's people that he barely knows. Uh, one of my favorite prayers, turn to Colossians 1. Stop me if you want to ask anything. Paul always teaches as he prays, or at least as he explains his prayers. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians 1. Uh, this is a, a people that he'd never met. The church in Colossae and the church in Romans, there's a short prayer in Romans 15 that we'll just mention But these are two churches that he didn't plant. He didn't plant them. He hadn't been to them, but he's heard about them from his friends. Uh, And in Colossians 1, verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the object to whom we're praying when we pray for you. Notice. What caused them to pray? Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. And this love you have for all the saints is because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Then verse 9, he tells them what he prays. And so from the day we heard of it, that they're growing as a church. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be, here's the request, filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He prays that they might be filled, controlled, driven along, as a a sailboat will be driven by the wind in its sail. We pray that you might be, that your sails might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's the request. Now, what is He hoping to accomplish when the, in, the, in the life of the church and in the life of the people if they're filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Verse 10, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Here's the purpose of this prayer, that they'll be fully pleasing to God. Again, that phrase that Paul uses, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. When Paul, that word has to do with, you know, the, 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 the blind lady of justice. She's got a balance, right? She's got, and the scales are, are, are equal. That's, that's the picture of walking worthy. Your walk weighs the same amount as your talk. You claim to be a Christian, you're walking worthy of the calling. Your uh, uh, walk weighs as much as what you say uh, the gospel can do or has done in your life. And so some people are all talk, right? They can talk, they'll share their testimony and they'll tell you how God saved them, but their life shows no fruit. Other people, I'll just live for Christ. I'll, I'll show them Jesus by the way I live, and they won't talk. They won't uh, profess even. And, and Paul, when he uses this phrase, worthy walk, he's talking about our walk and our talk. We're confessing Christ 
and we're backing it up with a life that is being transformed by God. And so he's, that's the goal of this prayer, and that will be a, that's a life that's fully pleasing to the Lord. But he doesn't stop there as he continues to teach these Colossians. And he gives them four ways to know, is your walk worthy? Are you walking worthy of the Lord? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, here you go. Here's, he gives four ways that you might, that are evidences. Bearing fruit, there in verse 10, bearing fruit in every good work. There's one. Is your life bearing fruit? Is the Lord using you to change people and is the Lord changing you? A second one, increasing in the knowledge of God. Is your knowledge and understanding of who God is growing? If you paid attention to Alan in a very hard subject, you learned your knowledge of God should have grown somewhat in learning about the impassibility of God. There's going to be a question in the Q&A about that. Uh, Then notice uh, the third way, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience. Now we could put with joy here or we could put with joy in the last point. But here is being increased and strengthened for endurance and patience. Do you dare pray for patience? No, I pray to walk worthy and I become more patient, right? But endurance and patience, you say, well, Paul, isn't that redundant? Well, no, one is patient with people. The other is patient with things, circumstances. And so Paul is praying that they might endure every circumstance and endure every person. They're increasing, and it's got to be with his power and his might, with joy. Don't you just rejoice at the hard person in your life? Or... If maybe you have a flat tire when we leave, you're going to rejoice in the strength. Well, he, yeah, sure. Okay, so that's the third one. Then the fourth, the fourth indication, the fourth evidence is uh, we could say with joy giving thanks, or we could just say giving thanks to the Father, being thankful. Are you a grateful person? Are you a strong person considering people and circumstances? Are you bearing fruit in your life? Uh, and are you increasing in the knowledge of God? There's evidences of a worthy walk. Now, don't look at those four evidences and say, you know what, I'm really an impatient person. Don't go try to be patient. Remember, this is... This is the purpose. What Paul prays for is what? All the way back up in 9. Be filled with the knowledge of His will and spiritual wisdom and understanding, and that will produce these things. These are just evidences that you are walking worthy, fully pleasing, and you walk worthy, fully pleasing by being filled with the knowledge of His will. Don't try to do what only God can do in your life. You can't uh, 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 bring up enough gumption and strength on your own to be patient. Yeah, you can't bear fruit for sure. You can do good things, but you can't bear fruit. Only God can do that. Be filled with the knowledge of His will. Is that what he says? In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul prays that you might be fully pleasing. My request is you be fully pleasing to God. But here's how it's going to happen by being filled with the knowledge of his will. Okay, so that's someone he's never met. Uh, And you say, well, wait a minute, you want me to be thankful. Are you a grateful person? Uh, Well, you don't know what I'm going through. All right. Okay, times are hard. 
Yeah, circumstances are hard. People are hard in your life. But look what he says there in verse 13. Well, let's go back up a minute. Verse 12, give thanks to the Father. All right, anytime you lose your gratitude, don't. if you belong to Christ, you've been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. You ought to be thankful for that. That can't be taken away. Or he has delivered you from the domain of darkness. There's a second thing to be grateful for. Before you were saved, you were in the domain of darkness. You thought you were doing your own thing, and you were doing exactly what the devil was uh, uh, suggesting you to do. You were living in the domain of darkness and didn't even know it. He's also transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son. Right? We've been qualified, we've been delivered, we've been transferred, and we have been redeemed. Set free from our sins. From the power of sin. From the guilt of sin. One day we'll be set free from the presence of sin. So that's his prayer for a church he doesn't even know. Be filled, I pray that you might be filled with uh, the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How does that match with how I pray? Well, it's a lot higher prayer than I usually pray. And the purpose, what's the purpose? That they might be pleasing to God. Yeah. Okay? Anything? In uh, Romans 15, you don't need to turn there. We won't look at it. Here's what Paul says. Uh, Paul uh, had always had wanted to go to the church at Rome, but that church was already established. We don't even know how it was established. And so Paul didn't, it was not top of his list of places to go because his ministry was to take the gospel where the gospel had not been. And he says to these Romans, as he's writing the letter of Romans, somewhere toward the end of his ministry, but in the really in the middle of his uh, uh, missionary ministry, he says, look, I've planned to come to you guys, but uh, my plans have been hindered. He says, uh, now, he says, before, uh, I still had places to go in this area where I've been going that hadn't heard the gospel. Now, there's not really any major city we haven't taken the gospel to, so it's time for me to come to see you. And so he says, Uh, essentially, I'm going to summarize his prayer to the Romans. Let's pray for each other. He says, uh, let's pray that we might mutually encourage one another. And he says, I am so thankful for you. The news of your church, the faith and the love of your church has gone around the empire. The whole Roman empire knows that you're a strong church. He says, So let's pray, and I'll encourage you of the news that I'm hearing, of the testimony of your church. You encourage me if I come. He says, uh, and and pray that I might come to you and and, and you be strengthened by the ministry God has given me. So I'm hoping to come, he says, in the beginning in uh, chapter 1, of uh, to bear fruit among the Gentiles, among the Romans. Then he prays, asks them to pray for him that he might be delivered from unbelievers and accepted by the believers in Jerusalem. Now, eventually, that prayer was not heard because Paul was imprisoned in Rome and sent, I mean, in Jerusalem and sent to Rome. So Paul says, pray that I might come to you. He says, I got some plans here. I got to go here first, and then I'm going to take this to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to come see you, and then I'm going to go to Spain. And he only gets to Jerusalem. He's incarcerated in Jerusalem. And where does he end up going from Jerusalem to Rome? Not according to his plans. He didn't plan on going as a prisoner of Rome, but he was. 
And so he says, pray that I might be delivered from unbelievers and accepted by believers in Jerusalem so I might come to you. Well, he got to come to them, but not the way that he planned. And then he says, also, when I come to you, you'll help me go to Spain. You'll put me up for a while, and then you'll give me some resources to go to Spain. And that's his prayer to the Roman church. Um, A church he did not know, a church he had not been to, a church that he met the the people of the church when he's in Rome as a prisoner. Um, Now, how about those he knew so well, the Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 1, there's two uh, prayers in the first half of the book of Ephesians that Paul prays. And using uh, Don Carson's little book on uh, spiritual transformation uh, through uh, uh, studying the uh, prayers of Paul, this is a prayer to the sovereign God. Somebody already mentioned Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Uh, And then he talks about being chosen before the foundation of the world and the sovereign God working salvation, uh, sovereign grace of God. And after he goes from uh, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, you can see that section in your Bibles right there. That's one sentence. I don't know, 250 words or something. One sentence, Paul just kind of, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he just gets rolling down the hill, and that that snowball will not slow down, and he just goes and goes and goes and closes with the inheritance that we have and the guarantee of our inheritance, who is the Holy Spirit. And then, verse 15, for this reason because of the sovereignty of God, because of our spiritual blessings in Christ, I have heard of your faith, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Now, it's interesting to me, he knew these folks well. He spent three years in Ephesus. On his last journey to Jerusalem, when he is is arrested and they send him to Rome, where he is writing this book, letter of Ephesians. On his last journey, he stops by and calls the elders out to the beach, the Ephesian elders. So he's met with them not too awful long ago. He spends two years in Jerusalem in jail as the uh, 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 Jewish and Roman authorities kind of pass him around, kind of play around with him. He just languishes in prison for two years, and then he goes to Rome, and now he's writing to these Ephesians. He said, I've heard of your faith. You're still going. Uh, But he knew them well. I heard of your faith in the Lord and your love toward all the saints. So faith and love he ties together. In the Colossian letter, I heard of your faith, I heard of your love, and the hope that is laid up for you. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. That's the end of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Paul ties those faith, hope, and love together. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, so there's the one that we're praying to, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. See, Paul is really a broken record. Here's what's going to be the most benefit to you. Spiritual wisdom and understanding and the growing in the knowledge of him. Isn't that what Alan told us? Isn't that what Corey told us? Knowing God is going to motivate and 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 cause growth in us. This is what you need to know, he says to these Ephesians. Verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So there's his request. The spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, so that. 
you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So you may know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And that power is according to the working of his might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the motivation here in Ephesians 1 is the sovereign, sovereignty of God. I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. I heard of your love toward the saints. And so, I pray that God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. Having your eyes, the eyes of your heart illuminated, enlightened, a, a, a spiritual Uh, illumination of who God is. And then he goes through who the Lord Jesus is. So that you might know the hope of his calling. So that you might walk, chapter 4, verse 1, I beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called. But the hope of his calling, because of the resurrection of Jesus... We're destined for a new heaven and a new earth. That's the hope of our calling. Yeah, this earth is a mess. Will it get better? It depends on your eschatological view. (laughs) But it will be restored when Jesus returns. And we have that hope that is firm and secure. And our hope is anchored to the throne of God through our faith in Christ. And so Paul is praying that they might know this hope. They might live in this hope. Paul uh, prays that they might know they're called and grasp these truths of chapter 1, those first 12 verses, 14 verses, that they might know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So the glorious, know the glory. It's all about the glory of God and the glory of God in Christ Jesus that is ours. We, we have an inheritance. Yes, it's reserved for us in heaven. It's waiting, incorruptible, undefiled, won't fade away. Remember that. That's what he said. I want you to remember to know the riches of your inheritance. By the way, he's given you a down payment. A guarantee. If you have the Spirit of God indwelling you, that's the guarantee. He's the engagement ring, if you will. He's the down payment on our inheritance that we will one day have. And if God gives a down payment, he will pay in full. That's the sure uh, security of our hope. Is the Holy Spirit who indwells inside, who is making us new. And then the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. How much power? What kind of power is in us? The power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's pretty powerful. Not only did raise him from the dead, also took him, ascended, brought him up into glory to the right hand of the Father. And so that's Paul's prayer, that they might know these things, the same mighty power that God used to raise Christ from the dead. And then really, 19, the second half of 19 is a doxology, sort of a praise to God. 
who raised him. Well, let's just read verse 19. The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, this is praise to God, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And now Christ is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Paul's praying for the Ephesians concerning the sovereign God who has saved them, and he hopes or he's praying that they might be filled with the knowledge of him in spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they might know the hope of their calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and the surpassing greatness of the power available in our lives, in their lives, so that they might walk worthy of the calling with which they've been called. Chapter 3, one last prayer from Ephesians of these that he knew so well, he capitalizes or he expands on that idea of the power within the Christian. Verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. So notice his approach. from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Every family. So this is the God to whom we're praying. That, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Just this idea of strength. He just constantly request that God would strengthen His people. When we're weak, He is strong. So that, here's another purpose. Uh, Verse 17, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that dwell, reside. Of course, Christ is there, but He might be uh, uh, the power of your life through the Spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, having been rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend. So here's, he wants us to comprehend the height and the length. What is he? To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Comprehend. Get a full understanding. And, verse 19, to know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. Beyond our imagination, the surpassing knowledge of to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This unimaginable knowledge of the love of Christ, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then the doxology. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. See, there's this, we can't imagine. He can do so much more than we can imagine according to the power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So those two prayers for the group, for the Ephesians that He knew so well. Uh, One last place of Philippians chapter 1, people that He dearly loved. I just knew so well. He dear, this is the church, the most joyful letter he wrote 
These folks, he dearly loves them. Philippians 1 verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you. Um, We thank, you know, we're thankful for good friends, aren't we? But we're really thankful to God who gives these friends. I thank my God always for you. Uh, Paul directs his thanksgiving to God. Always in every prayer of mine, verse 4, for you all making my prayers with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that word partnership is koinonia. We get the idea of fellowship. Uh, So he bows to, uh, I mean, he uh, thanks God for their mutual uh, partnership in the gospel. Verse 9, Is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So that you may approve what is excellent. Um, Without knowledge of God, without the discernment that the Spirit gives us, we're liable to approve things that are not most excellent. We're liable to get our, uh, our priorities wrong. We're liable to value things that are useless or less helpful than the things that are most excellent. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of and the praise of God. Approve things that are different. Approve things that are excellent, that set you apart from all others. To be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, the process of sanctification. When the Lord Jesus comes, He will complete the work that He began on the first day of your Christian journey. Paul says, let your request be made known. So Paul asks, asks the people to pray for him. Uh, I'll talk about that in in the next session uh, when we talk about corporate worship, about uh, letting our requests be made known to each other so that we might pray for one another. But I, uh, we've got, oh, we've got a few minutes. Anybody have any questions or any comments? I know it's hard right after lunch, isn't it? I know. In the beginning, he always says, "Grace and peace be to them." Okay. Praise mm-hmm. the grace of God, because that's the power. And he said, "By the grace of God, I am what I am." So. Yeah, grace and peace. He does that on purpose couple of reasons it's greek hello jewish hello uh, and grace first because there is no peace without grace grace is always first it's grace and peace Uh, but it's also an inclusive greeting to jew and gentile and so what we can do is you don't, you're lost for words. What am I going to pray for? Dial up one of Paul's prayers and pray, just uh, to pray with Paul to our great God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Yes, Teresa. I just read Alistair Begg's book, Pray Big, that's about Paul's prayers in Ephesians. Oh, okay. Um, I think you mentioned this too, but I was just thinking about how Paul doesn't really pray for physical needs much. Yes. You know, it's just all spiritual needs, and it was really a challenge to pray for. Think about what are the spiritual needs under the requests that I'm praying for. Mm. 
Yes. And, and like you said, what's the purpose of it? Like, the, what's the so what or so that? Yeah. Yes. You know, I've learned it's a Philippians. I learned to be content no matter what. He's in prison. He's also at the end of his life almost, you know. took him a while to get that, to be, learn to be content. Yes, Rochelle. Um, so something that was really encouraging to me was I found myself lacking in prayer for the missionaries that we support. And um, so what I did was I was reading like one of my books, um, not the Bible, but I was reading one of the books, and uh, I noticed I stuck one of those missionary uh, postcards in the book. And so it was like, I was like, well, I don't have a bookmark, so that was like the perfect place for it, because it was a great reminder to when I finished reading the book that I could pray for these people. Mm-hmm. And Paul is, like, most of them is like ministries and churches, so yes. it makes me think of the missionaries we support, these ministries we support. So it's a great reminder, like, we just gave out a bunch of books, like, you need a bookmark, you go grab yeah. one of those, and you remember to pray for these people, <laughs> and you can pull up one of Paul's prayers to pray for these people. You know, I don't, I don't know, that, that's a good point. I don't know about you, but there's some names on our prayer list I know nothing about. And if I know nothing about, I know many of you know nothing about. But Paul's praying for those he barely knew, those he'd never been to their church, for those he knew deeply and those he loved dearly. Uh, so we can learn again from Paul how to pray for these that we mention. You say, well, I don't know who that is. Okay, well, just pray for them, <laughs> and the Lord will sh- show you. And then uh, you, you, you've got a reminder. Uh, uh, June mentioned in, in the last uh, breakout we were in where she, she saw those cards. She had her cards in the kitchen, and then she just e- emailed, emailed one, of, uh, one of our missionaries and asked, how could we pray? And they sent back, the missionary sent back a very specific prayer. And so they were to commune halfway around the world with each other, praying for each other. Take the initiative. You know, we all we may not like to give out what we need. You know, our requests. We have people like that here that call people daily and ask, "What can I pray for you?" Okay, there you go. Yes, let's let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that we find in your church. Lord, the care for one another that you put in our hearts when we would never care apart from you. We thank you for what you've given us in Christ that we so often take for granted. Lord, and we pray to be spiritually growing in our knowledge wisdom, understanding of who you are, who we are, and what Christ has done. Teach us from Paul. Teach us from the Psalms. Teach us from your word. Thank you for your spirit who prays in our behalf. And for Christ, our advocate at your right hand, in whose name we pray. Amen.